this is sorry to the best. We are before Shabbos Chazayim, but the, the focus of this series is on building and the stress and the difficulty of building. Building, unbuilding, and building. Let's say you're building in your home, you're building a room, anything in your living space, whether you have to hang up a curtain rod or you have to fix the refrigerator door or all just doesn't come out and you know, and you have to replace it from big to small, there's always that angst of what we call um, home renovation stress. <coughs> and by the way, for that, please go to homestresshome.com where we help you um, overcome the stress that comes with home renovation. But here's the question. Where does it come from? Everything, everything has a source in Ruchnius. Everything, in a way, has a source in Tyra. So if we have stress about our homes, about our living space, and much of the time we do, some level of angst, it's probably because there's an, a level of angst about getting that third base on the English built already and moving in. And it's not a simple process. It's been taking us how many years? Since Corbin based in English, almost 2,000 years. And really, we're talking about over 3,000 years getting the first base in English built already. We had to first come out of Mitzrayim. We had to first, what did we have to do to have that, first, to have the third base in English built? You really effectively have to have the first and the second, so to speak, out of the way. And to have, that means they need to be removed, so to speak, to make room for the third. And the third one is permanent. And in order to even build the first and second Batei Mikdash, we needed to first sit in Mitzrayim, in the land of limitations for a couple of hundred years, and understand and experience what the limitations of nature really are. Because living in a world of nature, a regular world, a kind of world where the base amygdash sits. Base amygdash, in truth, is made out of natural materials. You know, all the gold, the gold and the silver and the copper and the, the all the stones and all of that. It's made out of materials from the world of nature. And yet, it's a, a godly place. Base amygdash is a place where godliness meets, merges with the world of nature. So first we sat in the trying to understand what the world of nature is all about, what its pluses are and what its minuses are, what are its its limitations. That we experienced very intensely in the trying. We experienced the slavery that you feel when you're in the world of nature. And then we came out of that slavery. (coughs) And we spent 40 years wandering in the desert but having a miraculous life where we weren't slaves to the laws of nature. Nature just favored us. We were fed. We were clothed. We didn't have to do laundry. We didn't have to do dishes. We didn't have to cook. So we had, we experienced both intensely in nature and intensely above nature. And then we came to Eretz Yisrael until we came to the point where this space on English was built. Which was not a simple process of conquering, inheriting, and settling the land 
and fighting the wars so that Leimah Melech could build the base of Mikdash. Excuse me. And then what, what the first one represented a very high level of divine, a divine base and dish with the focus more on divine, second base and dish with focus more on us achieving down here. And the third one will be a union of the two. Everything we've ever achieved throughout history and everything, all the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything that will be, it will all come together in this third base and dish. This home for Hashem. So building this home for Hashem is not a simple thing. And therefore, when you're building or fixing or settling, settling into your own home, even if you've lived there for 50 years, just getting it in order, keeping it in order is not a simple thing. Probably because of that, the challenges of building the third base in English and, and putting things in place. So, when it comes to Shabbos Chazayim, we get to see, at least on a spiritual level, that third base in English. Why is that important? At some point when you're building, and anybody who's building or fixing or renovating knows, you lose sight of where you're going with this. You become so sunk in the debris of all the destruction of the mess as it's being done, you forget why you why you started this and you lose sight of the goal, the blueprint of where this is taking you. And even if you have it in sight, it's just hard to believe you'll ever get there. Shabbos Chazayim gives us access to that vision again. And let's see from this sicha what Shabbos Chazan can do even more than just giving us access to the vision. So, this is actually a sicha of uh, from, I don't know which year. Okay. <clears throat> so about Shabbos Chazan, there's a piskam of Reb who says that Shabbos Chazan Every Jew is shown the base of Migdash, the third base of Migdash, Shabbos Chazayim from the word Re'iya. He sees it. But he sees it from far. That's what Shabbos Chazayim is about. You finally get to see the end product. But according to this, now we're going to understand what it has to do with Parshat Tavarim. Because it always comes out in Parshas Dvarim. Parshas Dvarim begins a repetition. You had four Svarim of the Chumash in which brand new things were being spoken about and, and created every single Parsha. And then we're done. And then we come to, we come to Parshas Dvarim and Chumash Dvarim and it's a repetition. It's true, it's one Tyra. But the fifth Sefer was said to us when we came into Eretz Yisrael. And therefore, as we came into Eretz Yisrael, we had to be warned 
and reminded of certain things. Before that, before you were in Eretz Yisrael, again, we're saying we were wandering in a desert, miracles, no cooking, no cleaning, all of that. Carried, so to speak, miraculously, on Google, as if just carried miraculously for 40 years, although it was a struggle, but carried miraculously. Coming into the land of Israel, now begins the work. A very different reality. Now we're going to be back and living in the world of nature, not back, forward into nature that is designed to become a holy nature. In Mitzrayim, it was nature. <coughs> With all its limitations, that's why it's called Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim. Eretz Yisrael is nature as it's designed to reveal complete holiness without the limitations. So the difference, the difference between the Dara Midbar, the generation of the Midbar, and the generation that went into Eretz Yisrael is that the generation in the Midbar was a Dardea. They were very wise. They knew a lot. They were on the level of Meishravenu. He could see Hashem. Obviously, when we were in the Midbar, we could see Hashem. But when we came into Eretz Yisrael, and now we had a connection to Gashmir, the physicality, obviously, we couldn't see Hashem in the same way. We could only hear. And that's why it says, Ba'atashma Yisrael. Now listen. Before we could see Hashem, now we could hear about Hashem. What happened? We now entered the physical land. We went down into a world where it's not so simple to see godliness. What's the difference between hearing and seeing? When you see something, it's bleakful. And there are no mitzvahs and hagbalas. You see something, there are no limitations. Nothing, when you see it, nothing will move you from your place. Nothing will cause you a doubt. You see it. Seeing is believing. But when you hear something, when a person hears, hears a particular thing, then when you hear it, it really sits with you. But when you see it, it is very sure. That means if somebody says, I, if you saw Devora with red polka dot shoes, you know for sure that Devora is wearing red polka dot shoes. If you hear about it, somebody says, you know, I saw Devorah the other day, she was wearing red polka dot shoes. A lot of people would say, can't be. He's not the type. Okay. How come the person who sees it, there's no way you're moving them from what they know. They're saying, I know she's wearing red polka dot shoes. The person who heard it said, maybe, 
You never know. So remember, we, as we were in the Midbar, we could see Hashem. As we went into nature, we could hear about Hashem. So when we come to Mishnah Torah, said to the generation that came into the land, and all we could do was hear about Hashem, what did we need? It wasn't as tangible. The blueprint of where you're going to is not so tangible when you hear about it. So what do you need when you're missing that blueprint? You, you, you're missing it in front of your eyes. So what do you need? Mysterious nefesh. You need to be commanded on mysterious nefesh. What kind of mysterious nefesh? You see the blueprint. You can't see the blueprint anymore. You hear about the blueprint. You need to be infused with a special kayak to keep you going to that blueprint that somebody else sees without ever backing down, without ever giving up. It's a faraway blueprint. When you're looking at it right in front of your eyes, you don't need that much inspiration. Here's the blueprint. You know what you want. You'll keep on going. Imagine there's something really, really desirable. Take something really ridiculous. Let's say you love banana splits. And you go somewhere and you order it. And they put it down on the table in front of you where you're sitting. And for a moment you were standing, hanging up your coat. Do you need somebody, well, okay, if you're very ADD, you never know. But if you're not very ADD, do you need somebody to give you a whole lecture to inspire you to sit down and eat that banana split? Again, if you're emotionally healthy, no. <laughs> We're not going to talk about all the reverse polarity and all that stuff. You don't need somebody to inspire you to walk from your standing position to sit down. You see what you want. So go for it. You don't need inspiration. You have your own internal inspiration. Your own internal motivation. I want that banana split. It's sitting right in front of me. And it belongs to me. So I've got my internal inspiration and motivation. Now what if they only hear? Somebody says, you know, it'll be appearing. You'll be getting a banana split. And I've been waiting 45 minutes. Yeah, right. I'll see it when I, I'll believe it when I see it. Really think they're, for it. They're not serving me a banana split. Forget about it. Therefore, let's say the the owner of the restaurant wants me to stay there. He says, no, 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 please, I'm telling you, stay. He's going to have to do something very, very special to infuse me with the motivation to keep stick to it. Eventually, the banana split will appear. Stick to it. The same thing is, in anything in our own personal life. Well, we see it right in front of ourselves, the end goal. Who needs the inspiration? We have it built in. <coughs> when we only hear about the end goal, we need someone to inspire us with inspiration. Because it's hard to believe it's really going to happen. So here we come to the generation of the Midbar. And so we needed to be told about the need to have the serious message, stick with it. Guess where we're going with this? Face amigdash. Keep sticking with it. And yet, 
this generation that went into the land, they were on a lower level than the generation of the Midbar. But they, excuse me, they did have a Mila. The Mila is when the advantage was. The generation in the Midbar, it, they were told in the Midbar, you did not arrive until now to the place of Menucha and Nachla, the place of peace and the place of inheritance. It was great in the Midbar, but it wasn't a place of peace. It wasn't your own peace. If you had peace, first of all, you never knew from minute to minute what's going to be. That wasn't a feeling of great peace. And the place of Nachla, the place that you inherit. Nobody inherits a, a desert. So we were told in the desert, you didn't yet come to that place of Menucha and Nachla. When did we? In Shiloh and Yerushalayim. When we got there to throw. Specifically, after we came to Eretz Yisrael. Why? Because when we went through this great descent down, so to speak, into Eretz Yisrael, not, not because it was down to Eretz Yisrael, down into the physical world where we have to plant seeds, grow food, clean the house, build the house, clean the house, fix the house, do your own cooking, do your own laundry, all those regular things. When we, after a miraculous 40 years, well, you didn't have to do any of that. When you go down into the physical world, you're going down a level. That actually fulfills the true kavana of building the manucha and the nachla. So we feel like Let's say when it comes to our own home, if I could just get over with all this stuff, physical stuff I have to do in the house, get the place together, and it just seems to never end, then I could do the real work of pirate, pirate, tzedakah. And here we see that the real work or the real end goal is to you come to the place of Manucha and Nachla. It was specifically when we were in the place where you have to do with, deal with, so to speak, home renovations when we came into the land. And that brought us to the place of Manucha and Nachla. So when it comes to Parshas, Shabbos Parshas Dvarim, that's the beginning of Nishnatira we see the unity of two opposites. A great derida, a great descent, as we said, down into the physical Gashmistic world. At the same time, we come to the true aliyah, the true elevation of and this also applies to Shabbos Chazayim. Because Shabbos Chazayin has two different opposites. On the one hand, it's in the nine days. And it's the Shabbos before Tisha B'av. It's the time of the Korban. But on the other hand, by going down into the nine days, down to Tisha B'av, 
we come to the ultimate Aliyah. As Reb Lady Yitzchak said, <coughs> everyone sees the third base of Mizrash, which is way higher than the first and second Batimitnesh. Yibana bimher of Yamenu, Mashiach Yitkenu. It was spoken several times about the union of sadness in the three weeks. But you can't do it on Shabbos. And now we're focusing for a couple of minutes. Because Shabbos, you need to be in Simcha. And Shabbos, this Shabbos, there needs to be a greater Simcha. Because... We don't want it to look like we're diminishing, diminishing from Simcha. Shabbos demands Simcha. Shabbos deserves Simcha. The the energy of Shabbos is Simcha. Because it's just before the nine nine days, it's not. It cannot suffer. It will not tolerate suffering. Suffering for Shabbos means if it's without Simcha, and therefore we probably we have to do extra. To be extra the simcha on Shabbos Chazan. Why? Shabbos is a taste of the future. Yom Shakula Shabbos. And since in the future the Geula will be in a way that there will not be any remnant of Gullus left. So even Shabbos. So on Shabbos, which is a piece of the Geula, you can't have that sadness, even if it's in the three weeks, even if it's before Tisha B'Av. <clears throat> but, that's a regular Shabbos. Why do you have to be more in the Shabbos? Because the Geula that comes after the Gullus brings a situation even greater than before the Gullus. Because if you were, after Gullus, to go back to the way things were before the Gullus, what was it all for? Then you didn't need the Gullus. Just to go back, you have what you have, then there's a Gullus, then finally you finish with the Gullus and you go back. So what did you need the Gullus for? Yes, the Gullus was destruction in order to build. But the building has to bring something way higher. And so every Gula that comes from a Gullus, after the Gula, when you have the Gula, again, it's much higher than before the Gullus. And when we're talking about Gulas Mitzrayim, what did we do? We purified the sparks in Gullus. And that was the whole point of the Gullus. And after that, we came to something infinite, infinitely higher. But this is also all speaking about the Gula of the future. Or rather, when we, when we come to the Gula of the future, it's a full Gula. There's no going back ever again. So obviously, 
we're moving forward to something brand new that we've never, ever experienced before. So have that in mind when we think about it. Moving forward to something brand new that we've never, ever experienced before. Something brand new. You couldn't have experienced it in Gullis. If it's something brand new, you can't go back. We never experienced it. It's not like, oh, we go back to the way it was before Gullis. We're looking forward to an energy that we've never tasted before, that we probably couldn't imagine before. You don't go back to something that you never had. You only hoist yourself up on the on what you had before to get to the brand new thing. There was no such light like we're going to have ever before. So this Shabbos, Shabbos Kozain, in the three weeks, a taste of the future, a taste of the time when it's always going to be Shabbos. We obviously need a greater Simcha because the Indian of this Shabbos is giving us the Kayach to transform the Bein in the three weeks a time of ultimate joy because the revelation of light in the future which is so high has the kayach to transform all darkness to light it's even in Shulchan Aruch on Shabbos of Bein you're permitted to make a Suda Shleima Suda Shleima a, a huge Suda like Shlema Melech in his time. In the times of Shlema Melech, full shining of the moon, a time of real wholeness and fullness and wealth, this Shabbos that we're coming to gives us the Kayach to transform. When we... When we, when we think about the Basurus of Gullus. When were we told that we were going to have a Gullus? When were we told that we were going to have this darkness? Bris Ben Abbasarim. Avram Avinu was told it's going to get dark. Darkness means a lot of things, Rahman is fine. It can be small darkness. It can be you put your hand into your pocket to take out a quarter and you only find a penny. That should be the greatest darkness we ever have. The frustration, the disappointment. We don't want any, any greater than dark, greater darkness than that. When was Avram Avinu told about it? Brisbane of the sun. Why, why then? What was it all about? A bris is the following. You're in a good time. You're in a very strong bond with someone. In this case, a very strong bond with Hashem. It feels like you'll always have it. At that moment, you make a bris. You make a covenant between you. That you will keep this bond when it's not so easy to have it anymore. It feels like you'll always have it. But clearly, as Avram Avinu understood, there would be moments when it wouldn't be so automatic. 
it wouldn't be so easy. Making, creating the bris at the moment of the high point enables you to go through the low points. That's the chiddush of a bris. And the bris is in other words, the before the bris, we love Hashem. Hashem loves us. You could say it's love based on a reason. Hashem is so good to us. We're his, we're his chosen people. He loves us. We love him. We have a reason. He's our father. We're his son. We have a good reason. Each of us have this love. When that reason seems gone, he doesn't feel like our father because he doesn't feel like he's being very loving. And we don't feel like his son because we don't feel like we're being very loving or obedient or connected. What else are you going to rely on? There's the reason to love is gone. So then something else takes over. What's it called? Ava Atmis Essential love without a limitation. It's not based on a reason. It's an essence love that has no reason. Why do you love Hashem? I don't know. Why does He love us? I don't know. That's very different from I know why. But the Ava Atmis is unlimited. And we don't know why we have it. And that's why you'll see Jews who are not doing any mitzvahs and they're, they're very much involved in breaking as many mitzvahs as possible. They really don't seem to care about the mitzvahs. They may live a very uh, liberal, I don't know what the word is, lifestyle. And they actually may make fun of the mitzvahs, God forbid. And there comes a moment where their undying, wavering, unwavering commitment to Hashem takes over. And they don't know why. And that's because of Ava Atmis. It's not based on a reason. What kept that Ava Atmis going? The bris. kept it going. So when a bris is created, when, when Avram Avinu did the bris bain of Asarim, us with Hashem, the Ava Atmus that doesn't depend on anything was open, was revealed. Then they did the bris and this love remains in all conditions. Doesn't matter what changes. But there's one question we have. How come the Basurus Agalus, being told that there would be a Gallus, was told to us at that moment? We're making a bris, and we're being told, by the way, guys, it's going to get really bad. Oh, great. Gallus is the opposite of love. It's the opposite of love even that makes sense, that has a reason. 
Galus is the opposite of Ava Atmis. You want to say that Ava Atmis, essential love, is going to shine in such a time? Galus? So Avram Avinu was given a choice. Do you want your children to be under the servitude of nations, Shibad Malchus, or Gehenim? Great. Two amazing choices. Gullah seemed the better of the two choices. And so we're talking about a revelation of love. But this doesn't make any sense, enough sense. <clears throat> if we're talking about Hashem giving us a revelation of love, an essential love, there's no room for... Talking about Gehenna? Shibud Malchus? Come on. Hashem, you're talking to us about your love for us, and then you're talking to us about Gehenna? Well, what's going on here? So to see it according to Pneum Isatira. It says in the Gemara about the Kruvin in the Beis HaMikdash. At the, at the time of the Eighth Ratan, when Hashem was happy with us, and when we, he, we did what He wanted, then we know that the Kruvin, the male and female Kruvin, chased each other. And when we didn't, when we when we didn't please Hashem, then we know that the Kruvin were facing away from each other. <laughs> and Medrash, it says, that when, of course, the Gaim went into the base of Migdash, into the Kaidish Kedoshim, what did they see? What did they expect to see? If they knew this principle, let's say they knew this principle. I don't know if they did. Let's say they did. Let's say they did. Or certainly now, <coughs> any non-Jew can read on Chabad.org about the Kruvin, right? So if they didn't know then, they know now. Now they know, by going to Chabad.org, all about, or any other website, or reading an article, or reading a book, all about the Kruvin would face each other when Hashem was happy with us, not would face away from each other when Hashem was not happy with us. Now they can do a simple calculation. At the time that Hashem was destroying the base of Migdash, he certainly was not happy with us. So they knew, and they know now. And what would you think that they would see? Of course, you would. You think now they surely expected to see the Krubim facing away from each other. Wasn't the time of incredible love between us and Hashem? So, in Hasidus, it explains the deeper union of Gullus, and that is like the idea of a love speaking to a student. The Rav, the Mashpia, when he's teaching an idea to a student, 
He's involved in what? He's listening to the students. And if he's in the middle of Hashpa, he's in the middle of, well, if he's in the middle of um, giving over an idea, something falls into his head, a brand new idea. And so the situation of is what? Boom, a lightning flash. And he has to put himself deeply into this lightning flash. Boom. He's trying to teach his students an idea. And suddenly he gets this flash. And it doesn't happen immediately. Boom. It's gone. And so because, and what do you think? From this flash, does it immediately go to a student and the student understands everything? No. But the fact is, there's so much great love of the teacher to his student. He really, really wants to take this incredible flash, this brand new, fresh idea, and he wants to give it to him. It may take a few steps, but he wants to teach it to his student. So, when the, what is the Rob doing? What is the teacher doing? He's putting himself into this brand new idea. He's getting lost in this brand new idea. And so the deeper he gets into the idea, the weaker his connection with his student seems to be. He loses himself into the depths in the depths of the new idea and the depths of the brand new energy. And what it looks like is he pulled away a lot of his energy from his students. Just picture the energy before that. What you had was an energy of the teacher and the connection to a student was very strong. Except when a brand new idea comes, the energy gets pulled up to that brand new idea. How much energy is being pumped down to the student? Less. Less. And so the greater and the brand new and the more fresh the idea, the more he needs to put himself into this idea. To the point where the student starts to feel really abandoned, really alone, really empty, really disconnected, really dark. I was in this. I'm the student, let's say. I was in this, experiencing the richness of the connection, the soothing comfort of the connection. Imagine I'm the student. <coughs> Not only am I learning brand new things, which are mentally incredibly stimulating, the, my heart is soothed by the warm connection to my teacher. So my heart is deeply engaged. My heart is singing. And my mind is singing. Brand new ideas all the time. And a deep, warm connection to my teacher. Both my heart and my head are singing. And all of a sudden, he's gone. He's off in his own world. And my heart feels 
disconnected. What's going on? And this is us in Gullah as we lead up to Shabbat Chazayim or the we have a moment of relief from this darkness on Shabbat Chazayim because just back to the student for a minute that disconnect that he feels it's external because the truth is what's really going on with his his teacher why is his teacher deeply engrossed in the idea for the student? Really, you could say that the teacher is more connected to his student than ever before. He's going deeply into the idea, not just to enjoy it himself, but to deeply get to the essence of the idea so that he's able to then give it to his student. So every pulling into the idea is really simply a connection, a deeper connection to a student. So if the student had the ability to realize what's going on, his heart would be soothed and comforted even more than before. But it's such a very sophisticated level of heart connection but you have to have very sophisticated emotional apparatus to pick up on it. If he understands, his teacher is in that idea deeper and deeper for him. That means his teacher is totally with him. Way, in a way deeper way than before. But since it looks like his teacher is disconnected, if he's less sophisticated, he'll feel disconnected. If he's more trained, he'll feel more connected. If he's less sophisticated in his emotions, he'll feel alone. If he's more sophisticated in his emotions, he'll feel very comforted and soothed. <coughs> That's us. In Godless. It feels more disconnected. And in truth, we're more soothed and more connected than ever before. But we have to be sophisticated in our emotions and our emotional intelligence. So, so Gullis is Externally, it really looks like Gullahs and Korban. Internally, Bithemius, it's the revelation of the ghoul of the future. And because of the ghoul of the future, it's got to look like a disconnect temporarily. Look like. It isn't a disconnect, but it's got to look like it. Why does it have to look like a disconnect? So think about it. What's the definition of new? New doesn't mean just step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. That's not new. So step six is new. Not really new. It's kind of a predictable step after one, two, three, four, five. It's not really new. Brand new is something that's out of nowhere. It's kind of a flash out of nowhere. It's not just another predictable step. 
Another piece of predictable energy. It's something brand new. New, new, new. Chiddush. Fresh. Almost like no beginning, no end. No prior, you know, no prior experience. It comes after a disconnect. By definition. And so... It's interesting. What's happening when we feel the disconnect from Hashem, we feel that Hashem is disconnecting from us, that's officially called Gullus. What's really happening is He's connecting to us in a deeper way, but you have to have a high level of emotional intelligence to be able to pick it up. That's simple. And the deeper learning of Tyrus is helpful in fine-tuning and upgrading our emotional intelligence. That's number one. And number two, the disconnect or the seeming disconnect is part of what makes the chiddush, a chiddush brand new. Um, and we know from that what's really coming, coming which is the, gula, the true gula. So... It's nemius, deeply, this darkness is a revelation of light. That's the way the gullus goes. When you're misbinding, when you do meditation into the way gullus goes, you think about it. How does gullus work? What's the mechanism of gullus? It's not just a kapara on all the sins we did. That's it. You did all these bad things that you have to be punished. You have to do a kapara for all the bad things you did. Okay, that's one piece of it. That's a small piece of what Gullus is about. It's not just a cleaning up process. Call the cleaning lady, she'll clean it up. That's what Gullus is. A sophisticated cleaning lady. A sophisticated cleaning process. Come on. How much cleaning do we need already? But the union of Gullus is then the whole thing of Gullus would just be Kapara but it's not. Because if it was just Kapara then the Savior would be from time to time that the Gullus would get easier. You know, clean up, now it looks better. You know, you go into your house, you clean up, now it looks better, looks worse, and people mess it up. <coughs> then they clean it up, then they mess it up, so it gets better from time to time. <coughs> right? So gullus would get better from time to time. If it were just a sophisticated cleaning team that cleans up the whole mess. And not only that, the deeper we would get into Gullus, the more we would, so much cleaning would be done, and things would just get better and better and better all the time, you know. That means that now that we're at the last seconds of Gullus, things should look pretty good. 99.9% .9 clean. They should look pretty good. They don't look pretty good. They look pretty awful. So what is that? 
So if gullus were just a cleaning process, this whole thing doesn't fit. And we see, right, that the darkness gets weirder and weirder. Gullus Mitraim, let's look for a second before we conclude this. What was Gullus Mitraim? We were in Mitraim 210 years. 70 years, the first 70 years were good when we were in Mitraim. Even after the passing of Yaakov Avinu, as long as the Shvatim were there, we didn't have slavery. For 70 years in the time were fine. And after the Shvatim passed, the main part of the bitterness of Gullus began when Miriam was born. The 86 years, the 86 last years, Pevav the Gematria Lakim. And 86 years, these 86 years, what was the Gezerah? We weren't given straw to build the pyramids, to make the bricks. That was at the end. At the end, when the Geula was close, that's when it got really crazy, really, really hard. No straw to build, to make bricks. How are you going to make bricks? With no straw. So in the last minutes, it got really bad. You would think in the last minutes, it would be really good. <coughs> and Maishra Bina said, you know, from, from the time he went to Para, it just got worse. And in our Gullus, you see less of Hashem, more difficulty. At the beginning of the Gullus, the Gili, we saw Hashem. At the beginning of the Gullus, after the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, we had the Tanaim. And they revealed to us what they saw of Hashem through Tyra. And then we had the Amoraim. The Tanaim revealed to us the Mishnah. It was a tremendous revelation of Tyra. And then the Amorayim revealed to us the Gemara, which was another tremendously expansive revelation of Hashem and, and Tyra. And yet, it became darker and darker. And that's why we're in the heel. It's in the Shicha. The heel. It's so insensitive we hardly even notice what we're missing. We just know that it's not fun. But from this Seder, we understand that the Gullus is obviously not just a cleaning up process for all our sins. Because as we said, if it were, we would be at the end and it would be basically 99% good with a couple of little problems here, but it's not good. But the penis of the Gullus is a revelation of a brand new life. And because of the depth going deeply into the revelation of this brand new life, as we said, if it's going to be brand new, no connection to what was before. So what are you going to have to have? A hefsek, an interruption. 
So, so there should be no connection to what was before. Do you know what an interruption feels like? Not fun. Feels like this. And so, and the more the time goes on, and the gvura, and, and, and the deeper we go into Gula Sida, and the closer we get to Mashiach, the Gala seems to be stronger. And that's why the Medrash says, when the Gayim came into the Kaidish Kadashim, they saw the Kruvin, and they knew, they could see. And as we said, whatever they knew then, they know it now. The Kruvim were in the, were representative of male and female. And they saw. They were not facing away from each other. <coughs> but the whole thing of Gullus is simply an external thing. The Pneumius is total revelation. So in the Kaidish Kadashim, this is a place of truth. In the Kaidish Kadashim, you don't see externals. You see truth. In the rest of the world, you may see externals. You may see the way it's designed to look, even if it's not the ultimate truth. In the Kaidish Kadashim, they don't get away with such tricks. In the Kaidish Kadashim, you see the real truth. It's the Makamapanimius. And there, at the moment of the Chorban, at the deepest moment of Gullus, the truth was revealed. You can't avoid truth in the Kajish Kadashim. You can't play games. You can't conceal the truth. There you see real truth. What did you see? The male and female Kruvim denoting us and Hashem embracing Hashem was showing his full love for us. It was a tremendous Aesiratim. And that's the same reason that at the time of Brisbane and Basarim, it spoke about Gaulus. Bithnemius was a full revelation. At the time of Brisbane and Basarim, when you had Ava Atmis shining, that's when the bris was being made. Avram Avinu was doing that bris between us and Hashem. That's when we were told about the Geula. But in stages, including what would look like a Gullah. So what is the Hayrah for all of us, especially when it comes to Shabbos Chazayim? Rebbe Yitzchak says, on Shabbos Chazayin, we see the truth. In a way, you could say, just like the Kaidish tradition is a place of truth. You can't play games there. You're going to see the truth no matter what. Shabbos Chazayin is a moment of truth. Your neshama, your soul, sees the truth no matter what. It can look like the lowest point of the year. The Shabbos right before Tisha B'av. It's right before Tisha B'av. It's a low point. On the other hand, it's a dark, dark, dark moment. On the other hand, it's Shabbos. Shabbos is a piece of Geula. 
that interplay of the two is an energy where there are no lies. So on that Shabbos, you get to see the truth. You get to see what the world saw, what the Gaim saw in the Kaidish Kedashim at the moment of the Khurban. The deepest embrace between Hashem to us. Deepest love. Hashem to us. He will never, ever, ever abandon us. Ever. The deepest devotion of Hashem to us. In spite of everything that he makes it look like. In spite of the disconnect that we experience. That's what the Gayim got to see. On Shabbat Kazayim. Bahabdul the Yidin. Sorry. That's what the Gayim got to see. On Tishabav. Bahabdul the Yidin. On Shabbos Chazayim, the Shabbos right before Tisha B'Av, see the same thing. The Beis HaMegdash HaShlishi. Which is a complete embrace of Hashem with us. So even though we see the darkness of Gullus, Rahman Islam, and the stronger it gets, there was never such a darkness like this. And yet, we have to know the stronger it gets, the more the ghoul is coming out. And in order to bring the light of the ghoul of the pile down to the student, down to us, the student needs to do two things. Hashem sees ghoulah. We see galus. We'd like to see what he sees. So there are two things we need to do to see what he sees. One, we need the knowledge, Yediyah. Shehelem Vasilus Imraftachitsainis. Two things we as a student need to do. Number one, we need, need to know that the concealment and the seeming disconnect is only external. But the, and the Pneumus, it's full revelation. We need to know that. We need to learn what we need to learn. Do as abundance on what we need to do as abundance on. Practice it. Apply it in everyday situations however we can to come to the recognition through our everyday life that this concealment and this disconnect that we feel from Hashem is only external and in truth it's a full revelation and a full embrace from Him. That's one thing we need to do. To come to this knowledge. To practice it in everyday situations with that in mind. Oh, this is really that? How can I bring it? How can I, how can I experience it in this situation? I got in the car and I thought I was driving somewhere. Oh, doesn't, the car doesn't start. Boom. How can I? It feels like a disconnect. It feels like Hashem, don't you want me to get there? Wait, the truth is, this is not a disconnect and this is not a concealment. This is an actual embrace from Hashem. Really? What do I need to do to internalize that this is an embrace from Hashem? That's number one. And number two, the connection and the thirst that the teacher of the Rav, in this case Hashem, 
the Rav disconnects himself from the student or seems to externally. And so that longing that the teacher has to be reconnected to the Rav or the longing that we have to be reconnected to Hashem, even though what what does the student need to do? What do we need to do? Keep on longing to be connected to Hashem even more than when he was openly connecting to us. As the Alter Rebbe says, Me leave Sheba Shemayim in any I don't want anything. I don't want your Gan Eden. I don't want your Eilam Haba. I don't want all of that. I just want you. In any Ratzah the Gan Eden Shalcha. In any Ratzah the Eilam Haba Shalcha. I just want you, Hashem. <coughs> and through this thirst, this longing, to just have you, Hashem. The knowledge that all you want is us, Hashem. And the insistence that we have to maintain that longing to be one with you, Hashem, this thirst, this longing, will bring us to a revelation of a, a revelation of a brand new life that will come. So this Shabbos, Shabbos Chazayim, even though you can't build on Shabbos, on a deep uh, on a deep inner level, what we're seeing is the fully rebuilt, the fully built brand new, never been revealed before, face on the Shashlishi, with all of the, all of the warmth of the embrace of Hashem, of the revelation of Hashem, of the connection with Hashem, of the brand new mind, body, heart connection with Hashem, and all of the things that will be in the Gula Mishra they're all packed into that face on the Shashlishi. And on Shabbos Chazayim, our neshama sees it, maybe from afar, but our neshama has the deep nourishment and nurturing of seeing the blueprint, seeing the master plan, seeing where we're going to, giving us the ability to keep on going, to not be fooled by the temporary disconnect. But to see the temporary disconnect as a way deeper connection. And from there to keep on going with the determination to know it and do our part to unfold the Gula Mitisashlema. And it should be before Tishabav that we find ourselves in the base of Mizishashlishi. Now.